Welcome everyone to the very latest Bolt from the Blue podcast. It's in a very, very exciting situation that we're in right now, which we'll get into. But before we uh, get started, let's introduce uh, my two blue boys. And uh, the first one is Bernard Deneen. Bernard, how are you doing? How is your day going? Uh, all right, mate. Yeah, I've got to start with a bit, bit of a cold, but uh, yesterday and today have sort of cheered me up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. We've also got uh, Ray Bubbles, the, the bubble man. Uh, how are you doing, Ray? Um, I'm champion, mate. I'm champion. Hopefully in, uh, <laughs> in about six six or seven weeks' time, I'll be feeling real champion again. Yeah. Well, guys, there's much cause for optimism, and um, that's something that we'll get into later. But um, as you know, we always start with the lineups, and um, we always go to Bernard for these. Uh, let's take a look at the city lineup. Uh, Ederson, Walker, Walker, did I read that right? Stones, yeah. <laughs> Diaz, Laporte, Rodrigo, De Bruyne, Bernardo, Mares, Grealish, Haaland. On the bench was uh, Ortega, Calvin Phillips, Nathan Ake taking a rest, as was Gundogan and Alvarez, uh, Sergio Gomez, Akanji, Hammer and Lewis. Now let's ask Bernard, Bernard, how were your predictive skills? Uh, with this particular one, yeah, I mean, I, I was I'm always in the ground, obviously, when the when the teams uh, come up, and I, I was looking for my team, and I, I deleted it for some reason. It wasn't even up, but it wasn't even on my phone when I was at the match. So I usually put it out on Twitter how many I've got. But uh, I, I, check, I checked last, obviously, last night when I got home, and I got I got nine out of eleven. I thought Aki and Gundo would have played. I was a bit surprised. Certainly, a Walker. He's one of these guys that you sort of keep expecting him to put in, and he doesn't. And then all of a sudden, he did yesterday. So yeah, I got nine out of eleven. I thought that was okay. I don't. I'm not sure what Ray might have got out of that one. Well, let's ask him, Ray. How did you think? Ooh. Well, I, th- I I did pick Walker. I did pick Walker because I said we need to change things. So I got Walker and Mares, um, Harland and Grealish. I said we should rest KDB. So I got that one wrong. Uh, I would have kept Gundogan and Bernardo and rested KB. Uh, I asked for Laporte to play. Um, who, were, who am I missing? Akanji, I would have rested him because he seems to be one of Pep's favourites. So I'm left with, I probably would have got eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, um, you know, uh, back in the day, a couple of years ago, uh, Leicester would have been a, a formidable proposition for us because of the speed up front. Let's take a look at their lineup. So we had Everson, Castagna, So Yunchu, which a lot of um, City fans uh, I remember a few seasons ago were 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 asking for us to sign. Uh, Sutar, Fayez, Christiansen, another one of those double-barreled names, Dewsbury Hall. Congratulations to his parents. Uh, T. Lemons, um, who uh, actually um, was in very very good standing uh, up until a couple of. Uh, seasons go in Didi, uh, everyone likes him. Uh, Madison and there's your man Vardy, the one who is the Punisher. Um, I don't know what you thought of that lineup, uh, Bernard. Um, were, were were you looking at them as a threat? 
I didn't. I'll be honest with you. It was only when Vardy went off I actually realised he was playing. I know. I know they're attacking up the other ends, but I didn't see old Mister Steptoe when when they were playing. So <laughs> obviously, I was a bit, a bit of a surprise to see old Vardy playing. But as I say, I didn't. It's only when he went off as got substituted I realised he was playing in the first place. But I think you'd probably say that about most of the Leicester team from that first, <laughs> first half. That's for sure. Vardy's in. That's the old man. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was I interesting. Think it was, I was thinking it was pretty much, as I say, apart from Vardy, I didn't expect him to start, to be honest with honest with you. But obviously, apart from that, I think it was more or less what, what they've been playing recently uh, as far as the team's concerned. Well, looking at the Leicester substitutes bench, uh, there were a few interesting names there. Um, obviously, Ian Acho, who came on later, but I remember, guys, I remember, and I've got uh, like 5,000 BFTB uh, fans behind me that remember that Ray used to champion Pats and Daka. <laughs> and um, Ray, that didn't really work out for you, did it? Well, I think Pats and Daka would have been better suited uh, uh, moving to a better club because ever since he's been at uh, Leicester, doing crap. So, uh, look... Patson Dacker was playing with Mr. Harland uh, uh, and it was uh, RB Salzburg. And he had some blooming good numbers considering he was playing alongside Harland. Uh, obviously, Harland's numbers were brilliant. Patson Dacker's weren't too shabby. They weren't too far behind. Um, so I thought he could uh, cut the mustard. But as I said, you know, Leicester have been awful for the last two seasons. And uh, I don't think it's because he, that's when he joined. I just think they've been awful. They've lost too many good players. And unlike uh, someone like Brighton, they haven't managed to replace them. They haven't replaced, um, you know, good players with other good players. And you know, their recruitment hasn't worked out. Brighton's recruitment, I'm just using them as an example. They, they, get, they let people go and then they keep getting new people in. Um, although... Uh, Leicester did mug off Man United for about 85 million for Harry Maguire, so they didn't do it too badly, but they didn't reinvest it well enough. You know, losing people like just two or, two or three names, like losing people like Kansi and, and, and Mares hurt them. And although they could stagger on using people like Telemans and, and Madison and one or two others that were coming through, um, eventually, you know, they've just got rid of too many players. People got old like Vardy. They, they've, they missed, they've missed him so much. Um, and the quality isn't there in the side, so you know they're flirting with relegation. I think uh, you know they want the favourites to go down right now. Yeah, um, Bernard. Um, everyone was still settling down in their uh, their seats. I just um, um, broken out a big bag of cheese and onion crisps, and yeah, um, five, minutes in, <laughs> five minutes in, five minutes in, bang! It's John Stones. What the hell is going on with John Stones and scoring goals? Goals like that. I think he's having a bit of a purple patch, isn't he? Yeah, let's let's be straight. Yeah, it was it was wonderful. It was. I think with uh, Maris had had an half decent chance. Uh, I thought he might have done a little bit better with his attempt after about three minutes, when he superbly, as we always expect from Maris, took the. But was it Bernardo cross? Was it a looping high cross to the back? 
and he sort of took a defender out with his control and then sort of welded it against. I think he got saved, went out for a corner from the keeper or a defender. But uh, that was three minutes. So we started certainly with intent. And uh, yeah, old stones it. I mean, it's absolutely marvellous, isn't it? I mean, you know, we were talking about Foden hitting form before, obviously, he got his appendix that problem. And obviously, Haaland hitting form. Gundol's been playing well. And so you can add stones to that list now. He's one of these guys that. Uh, you know, whenever, whenever you play him, he's doing the job for us. Uh, absolutely wonderful. I'm sure uh, Ray will lax, lax lyrical about the goal. Lax lyrical. Lax lyrical about it. And uh, uh, there's some, some argument on the guard, you know, as to whether it was a volley or not, because obviously it had bounced before he hit it. I, I was a bit confused by the argument, but uh, it certainly wasn't a half volley. It was in the air when he hit it. So that's a volley for me. I don't care where it's come from. It's... it's uh, you know, obviously that that was the argument in the Guardian, but obviously at the end of the day, superb goal, wasn't it, Ray? Absolutely, it was uh, fantastic. I mean, I was uh, like you; we were sort of right behind that. Uh, you're on the, I think the first tier of the south stand. I'm on the third tier, up with the gods. Um, and as, as honestly, as soon as he hit that, it was as soon as he hit that, you knew it was a goal. It was just you could just tell from the position of the keeper, and it was just a, such a sweet shot and. It's like wow, you know that was in the was it the fourth or fifth minute? Fifth uh, minute. Yeah. yeah, it was just it was an incredible start, and I've been talking about it for a few days, you know, especially before the game. That even though Leicester have got a new manager and people talk about the new manager bounce, yeah. Leicester have been poor for two uh, for two seasons now, and the two seasons before that they were should have got Champions League and they, you know, they they, they messed up at the end of the season. And I said if we can get a goal early, we could finish the. Um, goal difference debate with Arsenal because we, before yesterday's game, we were five goals ahead of them in goal difference. And Arsenal scored a lot of goals. You can't get away from that. Arsenal have scored in the same number of games as City. I think they scored 74. We had 75 before yesterday. So it's it's, it's basically neck and neck uh, almost. And uh, but I, I thought if we could if we could get the early goal then Leicester would revert to type. They'd go back to what had they been playing this season. Heads would go down uh, and we had an opportunity to score four, four five and six. I mean, I think I predicted five nil for this game. Um, um, so, yeah, that first goal, you know, and, and obviously there's a couple more followed very, very quickly. Uh, you were hoping that we were going to put them to the side. I was hoping that Mr. Harlan would break more Salah's uh, uh, league record of 32 goals in the season in this game because he... You know, he started on 30, got to 32 goals within, you know, 26 minutes of the game. Gone, he thought, come on, Alan, you can get another one. Get another one, break that record, and then just, you know, push on and try and get to 40. But uh, sadly, it wasn't to be. It was sweetly struck by uh, John Stones. And um, I tried, I tried, guys, to um, to make the analogy of um, a beautiful cover drive by David Gower. Uh, back in the days, but um, no one would jump on that. But that's how it looked to me. And um, it, 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 you know, b- before we knew exactly where we were, Bernard, we got a penalty, and um, <laughs> we don't get that many of those. Although this season is going better than last, what do you think about this penalty decision, uh, Bernard? 
Well, well, actually, Darren England, he likes to give us a penalty, although he had to be pushed for this one, didn't he? He had to be uh, cajoled into giving it us. But uh, in the in the five games previous, he's given us four penalties in the last uh, five games. So, uh, yeah, we, we, you know, he's one of the dodgy referees. I think just before this incident, we were. T- I mean, I was perplexed, and I, I have no idea what happened. It appeared that Grealish had been fouled on the edge yeah. of the box, or at least a foul or at least on the edge or at least in the box or on the line. I'm just totally confused. And Darren England obviously pointed for a corner. And uh, I don't think they I'm not sure they are even got involved. Uh, Mike, you might know a bit better if you're at home, but I have no idea what happened with that one. And literally, I think it was either the, that corner or a corner straight after, uh, where obviously it wasn't clear to end up with Grealish. And, and our Mr. Ndidi, and yeah, he definitely his, his arm. I mean, you query some of these penalties, of course you do, but his arm was definitely not in the right position, and I, it was a penalty all day long. Yeah, Ray, what did you think about this? Was it a little bit harsh on Ndidi? Although oh. <laughs> the, the 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 scribes were saying he had his hand, and I quote, thrust out in an awkward position. What did you think? Not, it was an awkward position. Is you know, look. I was in the third, as I said, third year of the side stand. We're miles away. And I said, that's a penalty. It was just so obvious. I can't believe the referee on the pitch, who's probably stood about 10, 12 yards away, couldn't see that. It was it was such an obvious handball. He didn't, you know, where we were sat, I, I said to the father next to me, that's a penalty. You know, I, I said, even with my bat, poor eyesight, that was so obvious. Um, and then uh, the Nordic Meachiel stepped up, scuffed it a bit, but he still managed to get enough purchase on it got the direction right, right in, into the corner. And uh, you thought, you know, this could be anything. This this could be anything. It was about 15 minutes gone or something. And, you know, we, we it could be a cricket score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bernard, um, from a goal po- uh, goalkeeper's uh, point of view, um, I thought that Everson kind of got near it. But it seems that um, when Haaland misstrikes the ball, it, it goes in anyway. Yeah, because I mean, I, I I thought at the game, I thought I did did I did uh, do the because I do the vlogs and I do my little something. If, if there's a penalty up our end, I'll get my camera out. I'm not into all this doing the camera bit. That I thought obviously for the people who watch you, it might not be there, and I put that out. And I thought he hit it quite sweetly, but it, as Ray said there, he did it didn't quite didn't quite hit it as smart as he liked. But it was I think it did it hit the post inside of the post. It's, I couldn't quite. It, it, it did, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, the goalkeeper was was so unlucky because he's fully committed. I mean, he was yeah. fully committed to go to his left. Harland, that is probably Harland's favourite side. I've not seen the stats on where he hits his penalties, but obviously, as a left footer, he likes to put him into that corner. Uh, and the goalkeeper was fully committed. And, uh, you know, no all credit to the keeper. Uh, you know, it's very unlucky. You know, if Harland had just hit that another couple of inches. Inside, uh, the goalie would probably would have got a, a thing his fingers to it. So yeah, uh, excellent from the goalkeeper. Unfortunate, but Harlan did enough, and uh, he was in the back of the net. I think his Bernard didn't look like it was a. Uh, the reason why I think we thought it was well struck because it was right in the corner. The mm. goalkeeper died full length, and he just didn't get there. And you think last well, week, pretty perfect mm. penalty to to get in there, but you know he he, he, he fluffed it a bit. But hey, it doesn't matter. It's, it's in the back of the net. And uh, we, we marched on after that. Yeah, um, uh, Bernard, um, it, it, it was kind of funny because um, City were pinging the ball around and we, we were wondering if Leicester could get back into it. And then 
on the 25th minute, all of a sudden, it's 3-0 and it's it's Haaland again. Yeah, I mean, it was Dewsbury's whole era, wasn't it? I think, did he play in Didi short and obviously Kevin nipped in, sort of poked it between his legs. And what Kevin does is, and the old Yaya move, drives forward. You know, the old white Yaya, as a ginger Yaya, we call him. He drove forward. And all credit to Ireland. I mean, there was three defenders. Ireland split two of them. And Kevin, I mean, there's not many players of, of that ability would be able to put that right into the path of it. It was a superb pass through to Ireland. Uh, commit, keeper, yeah, he committed. Ugh, did he commit too, too early? I'm not too sure. He made himself big. He did the best he could, uh, but a nice little dink, wasn't it, I think, from Haaland just to dink it over him. And, that, and that's the 100th Premier League assist for City now for old Kevin, you know, which he missed out on last week, of course. Yeah, Ray, I mean, Pep was uh, particularly pleased with this one because um, uh, KDB picked uh, Ndidi's pocket. Now, uh, Ndidi is, is one of the most um, effective and aggressive um, midfielders in the league. Uh, and Pep was particularly pleased with that one, wasn't he? Yeah, indeed, indeed, he wasn't <laughs> very good yesterday. <laughs> he was, uh, he was shocking. I mean, it was soft, you know. Um, KDB went through. He, he outmuscled him, um, and then indeed he couldn't get back to him. And KDB showed a bit of turn of foot, and then a, and the strength to hold him off. Um, it was a great bit of play. Rolled it into Haaland's feet, and the thing is. Just after World Cup, when we start playing football again, Haaland, well, I think that's one in four chance for him to score because I don't think he had the confidence um, that he's got now. That confidence is basically uh, scorching through his veins. I can't think of the right word there. You'll you'll correct me. But throbbing, it's, it's throbbing, it's throbbing through his veins. Well, I'm not sure about throbbing, coursing <laughs> through his veins. How about that? Um, confidence is a horrible sight. Um, you've conjured up, um, you've gone all purple as well. <laughs> but nothing, no, wrong, nothing wrong with the throbbing big lummox, there's nothing yeah, wrong with that. Right, blimey, 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 blimey. Well, anyway, <laughs> right, okay. Um, so it's not, it's not hot at all, and it's hollow notes, and they're man eater. Uh, they're throbbing, man. Anyway, let's let's let's. Uh, uh, let me. Well, Harlan came through. I'm going to say sorry. I'll, you can edit that out if you want. But anyway, Harlan came through, and as soon as he came through, once again, you felt he had the confidence. He was he's full of confidence right now, you know. And almost everything he took was turns to gold. So it was it was a great little dink finish, and uh, you know people were rubbing their hands and thinking, how many are we going to score? As I said. In the 25, 26 minutes gone, Leicester were dead and buried, and um, it, should, it should have been, it should have been ten. Mm -hmm. uh, Bernard, um, I got an interesting question, um, and I don't know how to answer it, but I'll, I'll ask you anyway. Are there particular physical exercises that you could do to get calf muscles like uh, Jack Grealish? I don't think so, mate. I think it's. Uh, I think that's what he's born with. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there is. Um, no, I mean it's a bit of a, a tangent that one, mate. But uh, yeah, no, I mean his muscles were throbbing. Obviously, yeah, old uh, old Jack Greeley. No, I doubt it. I, th I think uh, he's probably inherited those from uh, his mum and dad. Oh, hopefully his dad. Hopefully not his mum. That's for sure. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't think you could do anything special. Of course you can, of course you can, but I don't. I don't think he deliberately does that. I don't see many footballers with 
you know, cars like that, do you? I mean, over time, have you guys? I have. I certainly haven't. It's, you know, it's like Popeye, isn't it? With his biceps, it's just uh, all over him. It's, it's weird. I don't know. We can probably ask Ray about that. I know that um, um, everyone's into um, um, squats, air squats now, uh, Ray, but yeah. I don't think that they would produce um, produce calf muscles like that. Well, no, because you, uh, squats are mainly for your quadriceps, you know, your thighs. Uh, what you want to be doing, I, I suspect Grealish is doing a punishing regime of uh, calf races or standing on his tippy toes with weights. You know, imagine, um, imagine if you did a photo fit of a football and you had um, Grealish's, what he's got, and then you put Aguero's thighs with him. <laughs> what would you look like? You look a bit scary, I think, if uh, you mix those two guys' legs up. You know, the bottom, bottoms of Grealish and the tops of uh, Sergio Aguero with his chunky <laughs> thighs. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Ray, it was quite funny because... Um, um, as the as the first half progressed, every time Rodri got the ball, City fans were begging him to like to, to belt one. And um, um, what did you think about that? That was kind of funny, wasn't it? Yeah, it was funny. Obviously, if you if you don't remember, he scored a goal against Bayern Munich. A beautiful curling effort. Um, Rodri always seems to score from either a long distance or with a thumping shot. But um, yeah, you know, I think as I said, City were. Were well on top at that stage, and you thought more goals could come from from any anywhere on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Guys, um, at this point, I was um, I was actually thinking, um, I'm quite liking the way Kyle Walker was playing. I, I thought he was uh, I thought he was good. He was obviously heavily motivated, uh, particularly with um, certain comments that had been made. Uh, Bernard, um, were you impressed with old Kyle? I think we said, did we say last time or the time before that, you know, his attitude was totally correct when he came on as a sub in a, a recent game. And Kyle's not going to worry about it. He's just going to get on with things. You know, at his age, you're all right. He misbehaves in other circumstances. But as far as on the pitch is concerned, uh, he, look, he looks up for it every time he comes on the pitch. I'm not saying he's perfect or so does everything right. But uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with Kyle Walker's attitude if we, if we need him. I mean, at the moment, he's a backup, isn't he? He's backup uh, in the same way that uh, Laporte can be backup, perhaps for Aki. But uh, that's that is what. But he's not going to worry about it. He's just got to get on with it. If Pep asks him to do a job. He'll do a job. And yeah, it was, it's just nice to see him back because I think I think early in the season he was one of our players that we were sort of penciling in the starting eleven just because of his pace, because we were lacking a little bit of pace, and obviously we seem to be managing okay now uh, without him. But yeah. He, as I say, he, he doesn't let us down, and his his attitude is 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 what we want. Is is professional on the pitch, which is all that matters to us. Ray, if you were Kyle Walker's agent, um, would you be asking for a, a, a two year contract? Uh, yeah, why not? Why not? I think he'll, he'll he'd get at least a year's extension. He's, he's got his, well, his contract finishes ne- end of next season. Um, I don't think City would offer him a two year contract. Um, that it'd be a season by season I think so you know at some point next season because look he'd be 34 the one he has to keep his pace I think that's what's crucial he has to keep his pace because Kyle Walker uh, relies on his pace so so much but mm-hmm. look, if, if they keep themselves reasonably healthy and, and fit they can play into the late 30s I mean I'm, I just listened to something today uh, when was it Lee Dixon he was playing until he was 38 his last season at Arsenal he was 38 years old um, Tony Adams was 36 
So you can keep going. So, uh, you know, um, but one of Walker's biggest assets is his speed. And as soon as that goes, I think that he, the rest of his attributes aren't good enough um, to, to merit a starting place. So, but look, I think next season, obviously he'll be here. Uh, I don't see him going anywhere. And then I think, unless his pace and his form falls off a cliff, I think City will offer him an extra season. Uh, and then it'll go like Fernandinho season by season. And it just, but it might be Walker, like Fernandinho says, well, you know, I'm not playing enough at some point. And he'll say that. Later, but I think he'll be here till, till he's 35. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Ray. Uh, Lee Dixon, as everyone knows, is a very famous Man City fan. And um, the fact that uh, Tony Adams went on to 36, despite his um, uh, refueling habits, uh, was, um, was, was quite amazing. But um, there were a few changes at halftime, guys. So we had uh, Julian Alvarez and uh, Akanji coming on to get 45 minutes. Bernard, did that surprise you a little bit? Yeah, well, you can see what Pep was doing. He was he was making the half-time substitution, so he would be allowed to make most, obviously, the extra substitution in the second half as and when we needed to do it. But it was a bit of a surprise um, for me. I personally did that. I thought it might switch after about 60 minutes. I didn't suddenly expect two new faces to come on. And all right, uh, as far as the team's concerned, it, they sort of like for like, wasn't it? All right, you can't compare Alvarez to Ireland, but you can imagine him playing that similar sort of role up the middle. And defensively as well, it was it was a straightforward switch. I mean, we know uh, Kanji's been doing it anyway, and he's just switching for Stones, who was perhaps a bit more defensive yesterday in his old central 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 defence role. But it was it was unusual. Um, of course, I remember last season. Don't forget, we were beating Leicester four nil at half time last year, uh, <laughs> and they pulled it back to four three. So. Uh, at the back of my mind, while I was watching the game, we seemed to we started the second half okay-ish, but obviously it wasn't long before Pep started throwing even more uh, spanners into the works by putting even you know changing other players as well. So I think if we left it like that for what 65, 70 minutes, we might have scored a goal or two. But yeah, very, a bit odd, a bit bit odd, a bit surprised. Uh, but I say it's game management in it. He's thinking he's already thinking ahead to Bayern Munich. Perhaps he's even thinking ahead to Arsenal as well. And to take Ireland off after scoring a couple of goals. It's a, it's a shame. I'm not gonna have a go at him over it though particularly, but you know it's it it was a bit of a shock for me. Yeah Ray, a couple of interesting substitutions of course they bring on Ian Acho and we were all thinking, you know, that um the the, the ghost of the discarded player and uh, Woody heard us, and um, and then um, Rodri came off on 52 minutes for Calvin Phillips. Now that was interesting. Um, it shows that uh, Pep has got a little bit of um, uh, confidence in him. Little bit of a sidebar, guys. Um, I don't exactly know um, w- um, what to make of Calvin Phillips at the moment. Um, we'll ask Ray and see what he thinks. Calvin Phillips is he's not played much. He's out. He's only had a few minutes, you know, at City, and it's his first season. Now, people are saying he's too slow, he's rubbish, he's not worth it. Same as they say with Gomez, they're not good enough. And I say, you've got to give people that first season. You've got to. Jack Grealish last season for me wasn't a City player. He wasn't good enough. Even the first few months of this season, he weren't good enough. In my opinion, um, other players have 
joined uh, Rodri. It wasn't rubbish in his first season. He played a lot of about 26, 29 games or something like that. I think that's what he started. But you know, we used to compare him to Fernandinho, so that's why he didn't look as good and he wasn't as well versed in the dark arts. And with people were saying, me included, what did we pay our money for? There's not a patch on Fernandinho. You know, Mares in his first season, he was in and out. He wasn't starting many games. And then right at the end, Pep trusted him and he came good. So you've got to give players that first season. Now, if next season Calvin Phillips is still crap, then we've got an issue. Um, but I think, look, the guy plays for England. And you know, even though England player pool has, has dwindled over the recent years, especially in the Premier League, he's good enough to be in you know, England's best 22 or something. So he can't be rubbish, can he? So give the kid a chance. He needs minutes. He needs game time. Um, and I think next season we'll see if he's any good. Uh, Bernard, um, how did you feel about uh, Jack Grealish? Did, did you feel that um, he was um, maintaining his his form that he'd had over the last couple of games? What did you think? Yeah, I mean, the first, it was a tale of two halves, wasn't it? I, I don't think anyone was really outstanding in the second half. It was very wishy-washy for me, all, all the second half. We had a couple of early chances I think Jack Grealish himself had that volley, didn't he, on from the corner, from the Mares corner that we seem to do every now and then. And Mares sometimes does those from the opposite side, doesn't he, where he has a go. And, uh, yeah, but I thought that first half, yeah, he was, uh, as a team, I thought he played very well and Grealish contributed. But second half, no, um, I thought they all struggled a little bit to get going. And with the changes throughout the second half, I, I don't think any, any anyone was really, if you had to, had to rate our players, You'd be struggling to give any of them a, a really good rating in the second half. They were they're all they're all much and nothing. Yeah, Ray. Lots of changes on the on the hour mark. Um, Lesser uh, took off uh, Tillemans and Dewsbury Hall. Brought on uh, Mendy, uh, Nampalas Mendy, and Dennis Pret. And um, uh, Cole Palmer uh, came on for Kevin De Bruyne. What do you What do you reckon that Cole Palmer's future is at Man City? Well, he won't be in it season. I really doubt he'll be in next season. Um, the problem with Cole Palmer is he hasn't played much football for two years now. When he came through from the EDS, he had a great season for the EDS, playing week in, week out. Um, and when he might get a few minutes with the first team, he looked, you know, he looked like he could be going somewhere. Last season, I think he started the season off all right. Um, then I think he got injured uh, before Christmas. And I, when he came back, a lot of our players were back. So players who had been injured, that had given him a chance to play. Um, they were back and he couldn't get a look in. He was on the bench after that because, let's be honest, he's fight, he was fighting against Foden, Grealish, Mares, um, Gunduan, Bernardo and KDB for a spot in that side. Um, was Sterling here as well last season still and Gabriel Jesus. So what chance does Cole Palmer have? Very, very little. Um, and what does, and I, I said it a few times uh, earlier this season, when he's been given a few minutes here and there. The problem is now he knows he has to take a chance. He knows that that puts additional pressure on him and he knows he has to shine. So I think he's trying to do too much. Now, things he's trying to do now, maybe 18 months ago they were coming off, but they're not coming off now. Uh, right at the death of, in the game, with only a few minutes to go, uh, he did. He tried to, uh, I think, tried to nutmeg somebody near the halfway line, give them less of the ball. And we were, look, we'd been under pressure that second half. There's no question about it. Leicester were the better team in the second half. 
And I don't understand. We, you know, we needed to be managing the game. Give them a goal with two or three minutes to, to play, and it'd be three two, and we'd you know we'd have the willies amongst us. So it, it was it was poor from Palmer. I, I suspect he'll go out on loan or be sold. Now, for me, loans are good if you go to a lower league, of, uh, um, say in the championship or one. Um, we've seen Tommy Doyle and uh, McAtee have had a good season with Sheffield United. Um, possibly they could come back. But I also like the idea of selling players um, and, and having a buyback. So, for instance, in the recent past, one club site captain, we sold them Angus Gunn, we sold them Gavin Bazunu, and we sold them Romeo Lavia. Now, we haven't got massive amounts of money for them, um, and then our buybacks are quite high. But this is a crucial thing for me. If you loan somebody to a, a club and they have a bad start, like a couple of seasons with Aaron Burich. He went out on loan. He had made a you know, bit of a clangor in one of his, his first or second game. And the uh, whatever he went, the manager brought the old keeper back. And Aaron Burich had a wasted uh, loan spell. But when you sell somebody for 8, 10, 12 million pounds to a club, they're invested in them. They're invested because it's now their player. Yes, they do know that that player might go back in a year or two's time, but they might get 30 or 40 million quid from it. So, for instance, we, we look at Aston Villa, we sold them Douglas Louise. Um, and, and obviously, Southampton, you use as an example, we sold them uh, Romeo Lavia. So, they're invested in them. They're going to persevere with them a little bit longer. Now, if Aaron Murich had been sold to whoever, Sunderland or whoever it was, and he had a bad start, they'd have persevered with him because he's their player. Whereas on a, on a loan, you know, well, you just pay his wages, send him back. Um, but I think loan spells in, in, in Championship League One uh, work better because they can't afford 10 or 12 million pounds to buy the player and pay his wages. So we just get them to pay the wages and a small loan fee. Um, so I think Cole Palmer next season, I can't see, I can't honestly see him being here, especially if we go out and it depends what happens in the summer. You know, if, if we lose, for instance, if Maris is, I'm going, if Gundogan leaves, which I think he looks like he's going to at the moment, and if we lose Bernardo as well, then maybe we want to keep Cole Palmer um, for next season. But personally, I think uh, I think his goose is cooked. This is one other thing I just want to mention. Before the game, I was saying I don't want Pep to make too many changes. Once you make a lot of changes, it disjoints the team. You lose that cohesiveness, that fluency that you have. Um, and we ended up at a point in that second half where Pep had brought on Gomez, Calvin Phillips, um, and uh, I can't remember, uh, and Cole Palmer, um, and we'd lost it. You know, uh, I was hoping that when we got Cole Palmer and Alvarez on, that their hunger to succeed, and even Calvin Phillips to some extent, their hunger to succeed would drive us forward to score more goals. But I think scoring that third goal so early in, that, in the first half and not scoring any more, that, that made Pep's mind up about the, the substitutions. It actually, in my mind, it would have been better to be 2 0 up at half time because then KDB and Harlem would have played the first, like Bernard says, the first 15, 20 minutes of the second half. We might have scored another goal and any fight in Leicester would have, would have petered out. The heads would have gone down again because we scored another goal. And then I think we could have got four, five, and six. I would have liked Harland to have stayed on for even for 10 minutes or 15 minutes in the second half. I can understand the game management aspect. Uh, and taking plays off. The games should be won. Um, the game should be won, so you should be in a position to take players off and rest them. For me, once I 
I think once we were losing control of that game, once Leicester were getting chances, I'd have brought Gundogan on. I don't, I don't see the harm in bringing Gundogan on to help uh, control the game because we, we'd lost control of it. Um, and I wouldn't worry about Dortmund, sorry, um, Bayern Munich next week because we've got about 15 cracking players. And if Gundogan doesn't play, then we, we have Mares, Bernardo and um, KDB. So we, we, we will cope. You know, it's you know. I, I can as I, what I mean, it mean is if Gundogan had come on and got injured, you've got all these other players. That's why Pep didn't bring him on, but I don't see why he couldn't have come on for the last twenty minutes and help control that game and help us see it through without us having kittens every two minutes. Well, let's go over to Bernard because um, I, I, I've just been looking at the Observer and they were sort of saying around about the seventieth minute, City. Uh, were getting a little bit boring. They were uh, they were looking to avoid injuries, and then they did bring they took uh, Grealish off and um, put on Sergio Gomez. So another little sidebar, but this time for uh, Bernard. What do you what do you make of this uh, this young guy Gomez? Um, he hasn't had a, a, an awful lot of um, uh, game time, but um, what what do you think Pep's reasons were for signing him? No, just cover cover for left back basically, was it? It was obviously cheap enough. It's cheap enough. He's he's done he's done bits obviously where where he was, and we all know he's a city fan. And again, Gomez and the front trouble with Gomez was he brought him on and he was play. Uh, where did he play? He wasn't going to play him at left back because obviously the, the left back was still on or the guy all the port was still on playing. So he was sort of another one where Pep has this habit of not. Put him, you know, hanging players out to dry, but he sort of put him in a position where he probably wasn't very familiar. I'm sure he's probably played it in practice games and stuff like that. But when he came on, I, I, I think he had little or no contribution. He was on from the 73rd minute and he took over, obviously, came on for Grealish, which certainly wasn't like for like, and he struggled. But I mean, Gomez is just another one, it's his first season. He was cheap enough. He's had a couple of bad games. People have been slagging him off, but uh, it's far too early to make any any real assumptions on what Gomez is going to contribute going forward. Twenty one years old, isn't he? Sorry, he's only twenty one yeah. years old. Yeah, so it's 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 harsh. I just thought it was harsh. I couldn't understand the the two the two substitutes. As Ray was saying, they're Palmer for KDB. I mean, as I say, that should have been Gundo for KDB. It shouldn't have been Palmer. Um, I don't understand that. As I say, Pep knows more than than we do about players' fitness and stuff like this. On the on the you know on the on the practice, he tells us every you know he tells us this, doesn't he? He knows more than we do, of course he does. But it seemed very odd. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, say too much about Gomez at the moment. Good God, give the give the lad a break. But to bring him on in that position, you know, to play a position that looked foreign from from our point of view for him, it was it was very weird. And it was at a time when we hadn't done anything. And of course, uh, when Gomez came on, Leicester had a great chance with the uh, old Pratt. Was it Pratt or Prayer? I don't know how you pronounce it. Pratt. He uh, had a great chance, but he hit, he hit, he hit a soft shot, didn't he? Edison in the seventy-first minute. That was after Palmer came on. And then, of mm-hmm. course, as, as Leicester look as though they might have a chance on seventy odd minutes, all of a sudden Gomez comes on in a strange position. So, just a little bit odd from Pep when he should be just making sure and keeping things steady. He, he seemed to to throw another. He did seem to throw a little bit of a spanner in the works by putting Gomez on. Yeah, Ray is um, Sergio Gomez um, going to get sold or or uh, loaned out next season? No. Do you think? It depends. <clears throat> I don't think so. But it depends what else, who else we get. 
You know, if we get, was it Gvardiol, this, this talk about him. For instance, if we do get Gvardiol and we don't lose anybody, then you think, well, what, what, what does that lead for Gomez? Because Ray, I've, I've, got, I've got to ask you about this, like uh, Kavarts Kellia. Um, I've been watching him. Um, he is uh, an attacking left-sided player every single game. And he's up against Grealish and he's up against uh, Phil Foden. I, I'm as, as, as desperate as I am um, for us to sign him. Um, I'm not exactly sure how he fits in unless Pep converts him. He plays on the right. There you go. Just play him on the right. No, he's no, 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 no. If you if you go on YouTube, he's he's a, an attacking left-sided player. Yeah, but he's a left-footed player, isn't he? Yeah. So is Riyad Mahrez. So is Phil Folden. Phil Folden's been playing on the right. So you, you, you reckon that he's a replacement for Mahrez? He could not. I, I, I just say he's another body that who could play on the left instead of Grealish. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to kick Grealish out. But, you know, there'll be games where Foden plays on the left or the right. Really, only plays on the left. Mahrez only plays on the right. Foden can play either or both. So why can't um, Carrillo do the same? Play on the left when we need him on the left. Play on the right when we need him on the right. I don't see any harm with that. Mm -hmm. Ray, do you, do you find it um, as funny as I do when... Um, you get all of these reports uh, linking um, Jude Bellingham with Liverpool and Manchester United. And if you're a young fellow like that, why on earth would you go to either one of those two clubs? Well, I wouldn't go on Liverpool, you know, because they're horrible, uh, horrible team. Uh, um, well, team's not too bad, but the fans are oh, detestable. Um, but why would he go there? I mean, same as... Uh, that Casero guy from from um, Brighton, people, Liverpool fans, who goes, oh, we want him, we want him. It's like, why would the Casero give up potentially playing in the Europa League, maybe even the Champions League, if they finish the season strongly, for a team that, uh, you know, go to Liverpool and play in, in, in mid-table? You know, Liverpool aren't even guaranteed getting in the uh, Europa Conference League at the moment. So why would you give that up? Why would Jude Bellingham, you know, it, you can argue it's just short-termism. They'll be there for one season. You've got to look at the next 10 years and all that. But honestly, if you look at it right now, which team, which club has been consistent? Apart from first season, we still finished what, third or fourth. Apart from that, we've been first or second ever since. And we've all, all apart from one season when Liverpool uh, walked it, we've always been competing for the title. Now... Um, Liverpool haven't. They've had about two or three, three, let's say three, three or four decent seasons where they've been gone deep in the Champions League, three Champions League finals, uh, and won the league uh, once and finished second twice. Um, but if you look at the two teams side by side, you know, City won four out of the last five Premier League titles. If you ask yourself who is more most likely to be consistently good, carry on in the same vein, based on the last five or six years, it's Man City. It's Manchester City. So if you want to be there winning stuff, City's where, where you want to be. And, you know, you look uh, ahead of you, you've got Haaland, your old buddy. So for me, it's a no-brainer. If you go anywhere else, you, 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 you're dead to me. If you come to City, <laughs> we'll make you a star. Well, that's pretty clear. Oh, oh, all right. Well, uh, Bernard, um, um, Leicester did get one back, 75th minute, and it's our old mate, Ianacho. Um, What did you think of that one? Well, no, Ederson, Ederson made a quite a good save, but it just fell out to him. 
Well, it was obviously their first, very first corner of the game. And, of course, the big lad is Suter, is it? Must be about seven foot six. I'm not too sure how, how tall he is. He had, powered in, and as you'd expect, a guy, our guys had no no chance. They were a good foot, two foot beneath him. Uh, and he got a great header. And I don't know what Phillips was doing. I mean, Edison, Edison looked as though he, he would have pushed that to even... You know what Edison does? He catches a lot of these things. He's not he's not one for pushing things away. He'll, he'll grab hold of it. And, uh, and Phillips just got in his way. It was as simple as that. If Phillips hadn't been in his way, Edison would have dealt with that. He, would have dealt, he, wouldn't, have been, he wouldn't have ended up at Tui and Acho, who it was so lucky how it sort of bounced to him, just, just there two yards out to tap in. But yeah, uh, Phillips, I have, I have no idea. Ed- Edison had that sort of saved as far as I was concerned as, as a goalkeeper. And Phillips just trying to do his best, as I think Ray intimated before, these, ga- these guys like Phillips and Palmer, uh, they want to try and stand out when they get in the team and do things. But he, he just got in the way. And, and obviously with 15 minutes left, they, they are back in it because we... we we got off the boil totally. So a few little heart flutters and uh, in the actual mild celebration, legged it back. Uh, let's get a second. Bernard, I've got to ask you, was that the goalkeeper's union speaking? Because I thought Edison pushed it away and it hit Phillips and then bags back to Ihenacho. So if, if, if Phillips... Yeah, he sort of there, pushed it on. So if the bomb's saying if Phillips hadn't been there, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have ended up where it ended up. He oh, would have yeah, been out for a corner or out for a, you know, yeah. If, but it would have ended up in the you know in the six yard box for someone else to tap in. If I know no, no, because he was going to his left. All I'm saying, I think the ball would have ended up on the. On, no one was there. There's no Leicester player no to one, his no left. No one was there. I, yeah. I accept that. But yeah. I'm, I, didn't no, I, I just thought from my angle, as I said, I've not watched it. I've not watched it. I've not had a chance to watch anything back. So I, from my angle, it looks as though Phillips just got in his way. He was Edison would have dealt with it, and Phillips was oh, just since, in the way. Well, since you haven't watched it back, Bernard. Uh, Edison made, a, in my opinion, a poor save, um, and it hit Phillips, and then bounced back. So where would it have gone around it, Phillips? Because Phillips was to his left, wasn't it? Surely he was going yeah, to his it, left. It, 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 well, he, I don't think he pushed it hard enough, so with enough power for it to go out. I think it had just gone sideways. You know, yeah, but I was going to say, but there's nobody there. There's no Leicester players to the left. There. Must there. No. I don't even know. I'm not have to watch it again. But it could have even nested in the net, but. Um, yeah, you're right. If it hadn't hit Phillips, but I don't think it was. He obviously must have put him off. Phillips being there must have put Edison off because he was obviously in his eyesight. He was there, wasn't he? In the, in the way. Edison. All I'm saying is, stand on the post like you used to in the old yeah. days, or just get out of the bloody way and let your goalkeeper deal with it. That's all I, I'm saying. I, I thought Edison made the save, and it just that's where he pushed it. Phillips was there. It wasn't. He didn't get enough of a strong hand on it to push it wide or push it over. Um, yeah, look. End of the day, they, they scored a goal, whichever way, whether you know whether either of us are right or not. They scored a goal, put us under pressure, and for the rest, of the, I, I'm, at that point, I was already very frustrated because well, it's goal difference, isn't it? That's the thing. We were three goals exactly. up, and it's yeah. important. I mean, we were five goals clear. That made it eight goals clear. And all of a sudden, we're back down to seven. Yeah. We've got fifteen minutes of a game left, and we've made five substitutions where. We're not, we're not really working very well. And it's, it's a frightening thought. And Leic- don't forget, most of that Leicester team, like yesterday, were there when they were 4-0 down last season. So they on their minds as well, they're thinking, hey, we can get back in this and we'll let them do it. But it, it, was, it was a horrible second half of football. I was frustrated and a little bit annoyed because, you know, we were just 
wanted to see the game out without putting the effort in. And I just thought, come on, guys, without uh, going gung-ho, we should be looking for four, five and six without going crazy about it. But at least be have some adventure. We had nothing. We had nothing. And we were dawdling on the ball, pish-pashing it around. Um, and honestly, Leicester had two chances that they should have scored from and a penalty shout, you know, which, um, you know, you can't see exactly what happened, but you've seen them given. So Leicester had, <coughs> excuse me, enough, opp enough opportunities to do a West Ham or a Liverpool, as they've done to Arsenal. Let's try the chances to, to, to get that game. Well, level. Let, we let's, let's actually level. let's actually uh, get on to that, Ray. 85th minute, um, uh, a decent chance there, um, uh, Bernard. Um, Madison threw on goal, delays his shot, and um, saved by Ederson. And um, from the resultant corner, um, uh, Soyuncu was up for a header, and that was blocked. That was a decent chance for them, was it not? Well, it's Diaz, wasn't it? Diaz uh, made one of his, you know, very rare errors these days. He does make them. All defenders make them. But it was a lazy ball, as Ray said. We, we weren't quite switched on. It was 3-1. And some of the players, the, the experienced players, still weren't switched on. And Rodri made a terrible, terrible pass. I thought he was trying to get it out. I can't remember who he was trying to pass it out to on, on the left. But, of course, that allowed Madison. And now, Madison's problem there was I think he was trying to look for someone to pass to. Mm. I think Edison was in just in the right. As a goalkeeper, you've got to narrow the angle. You've got to make it difficult. And he was in exactly, if you look at the angle, he was exactly right. There's just as much space to his left as to his right. So, Madison had to make his decision. Uh, and as far as Edison's concerned, he obviously made an, a good save because he just stuck his foot out and, and got it out for the corner. But, uh, you know, that would have been three to what, with five minutes plus injury time left. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just because of a lack of concentration from, from a player you don't expect, a player who's been outstanding for City since he's come back. You know, we've not been beat with him there. And it just shows you, it doesn't take much, does it? So, you know, you're 3-0 up, it's 3-1, and then you've got your, your best defender who's in the form of his... Form of you know certainly the form of his life as far as this season's yeah. concerned, and and he does something like that. It's very, you know, it's a tightrope you walk at that stage. Guys, before we talk about other uh, results, is there is there anything else that you'd like to say about this game before we <clears throat> move on move on to other uh, games? Did it, was it itchy that hit the post? Um, yeah, I mean, I thought that was in. It looked it looked yeah. as though it was going the net to me. I mean, again, that was ninety. First minute, I think, wasn't it? So, all right, we would have had a nervy couple of minutes after that. But again, it was just just simple. Uh, they split the defence and they split the City defence. Madison, it was a Madison ball, wasn't it, right? Yeah. Uh, through. Yeah, and it, I think Ian Atchell did everything right. Uh, he had two or three attempts. He had a couple that fizzed over the bar as well in that last 15 minutes. Uh, but yeah, we, we got away. We got, sort of got away with one right at the end just because of poor game management uh, from substitution-wise to actually the players on the pitch. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, guys, um, do we have a player of the match? Can we say the uh, predictable? Harland scored two goals, I think. Yeah. I it was either Harland or Stones, and that both of them went off at half-time, so that just shows what a rubbishy second half it was. Well, guys, let's move on. And... Um, I don't think that any of my followers thought that there was any chance of um, Arsenal uh, dropping points against West Ham. They thought that was going to be an easy uh, uh, game array, but it wasn't, and they dropped two points. Absolutely. I mean, like Liverpool last week, um, 
Arsenal were 2 0 ahead, and this was actually very quick. I think I turned it on after about 10 or 12 minutes or whatever it was, and they were t- West Ham were 2 0 down. It's like, well, is there any point watching this? Uh, and I'd actually, I'd actually thought that West Ham could um, win this game. I, I really did think that the West Ham, simply because they, they got a little bit of form, they'd won a couple of games recently, and so that would help their confidence. It's obviously Arsenal, they're at home, and pressure can tell. It told last week against Arsenal, and it really depended, would depend on how they reacted and responded to that dropping of, a, of two points. Um, so I, I had a sneaky hope that West Ham could get something out of this, put it 2-0 down, and they were awful, really were awful West Ham. They were second to the ball, they were playing, uh, looked like 10 men behind the ball, Antonio up there on his own, behaving like a battering ram. They had no guile, no finesse about them. They were they were an ugly team, an awful team to watch. And um, they got lucky. They got lucky with the penalty. Um, that like Liverpool last week, it was a spark for for them. And then they they put a bit uh, Arsenal under a bit of pressure. Um, uh, but still, you know, you you think Arsenal gonna, would prevail. It's, they were two one up and they missed that penalty. Saka put it wide, and then you think, yeah, come on, West Ham. And then actually, West Ham could have won that game, you know, if, with a bit, of, with a bit, with a little bit of um, uh, class. They didn't, have, they didn't have any class, as I say, with that bit of finesse and a bit of calmness and control. Um, they had a, a couple of opportunities where I think you know they'd um, better quality players. They might have uh, scored a winner. Um, Look, I mean, that Arsenal have drawn it, and it, obviously it helps us because it means that um, we can afford to drop two points somewhere as long as we win the rest of our games. So we don't even need to win all our games now. But everybody's, I mean, Bernard's going to tell me off for this, be negative, but everybody's assuming um, that we're going to be Arsenal. Everybody's assuming that we're going to be Arsenal and the league is ours. And, you know, stranger things have happened. Um, Arsenal could come to ours and get a draw. He could come and beat us. I mean, if, if Arsenal beat City in Manchester in 10 days' time, would you be surprised? Arsenal aren't, aren't playing rubbish. You know, look at the way they dismantled Liverpool last week for half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever it was. And the same way with West Ham, they tore them to pieces. They toyed with them. Um, so, well, they you know, tore the first half at their place. They tore, you know, they were all, you know, we had to bloody yeah. go different. We had to go long and start playing yeah. because they, they actually battered us that first half yeah. at the Emirates. Well, you, you you can't underestimate them. Look, I think we'll get a better idea after they played Southampton next week. Southampton fighting for their lives, bottom of the tables. They need the points. If Southampton can get a point off Arsenal, then it's properly game on. It's properly game on because um, you know we'd we'd go into the the game against Arsenal with two was it two games in hand, two games in hand, and uh, was it five points behind or? Something like that. Yeah, I mean, if, if they draw, it'll be five. We'll be five points behind. If they win, they'll we'll be seven. Obviously. And, and, well, and hold on a is, second, Bernard. Uh, it's like um, two games for Arsenal, four points dropped. Are they beginning to bottle it a little bit? Well, you, you can say that on that. On just looking at it, the bare facts, of course. I mean, we, you know, we've been saying all season it's Arsenal's to lose, and they've been playing very, very well, and they're having a bit of a wobble uh, after after. Uh, playing very well for the last after the after the break, I think the international break. Uh, of course, since we beat them, they've, they've been picking up points left, right, and centre. And this is a definite wobble. I mean, the thing is about someone like West Ham. I, mean, I think all these 
there's always the, these London derbies. There's always the opportunities. There's always a lot more you know, right. Even the rubbishy London team sometimes can sort of spring a surprise. So for me, I wasn't overly surprised by it. I would be, I would be totally surprised if they they don't put three, four, five past Southampton next week. In fairness, if, if that doesn't happen, then yeah, I will believe that's it. They've gone. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it will be uh, what it's our next league game. Arsenal have got to play another league game, and then that. So they, you know, there'll be two games in advantage. But from being a possible nine points ahead of us, uh, it's a maximum of seven now, and it will all depend, I think, on that night. And Arsenal are confident they can get a draw at our place. But are Arsenal the type of team to go and try and play for a draw? I don't think so, particularly unless Arteta has a brain fart, and you know, uh, I think they'll try and beat us. But uh, it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting. Oh, of course. But I was a lot. I'm a lot happier now than I was perhaps say a month ago. Put it that way of, <laughs> of our chances. The thing is, they've got to they've got to go out to beat us. You know, yeah. you could you could argue that if they get a draw against City and win the rest of their games, they win the title. Hmm. They'll be well, was it one point clear of us? So you could argue that that maybe they look at it that way. But that's relying on them winning every other game. Okay. I've not seen anything from Arsenal this season to say they're going to go to anywhere and try and defend no, uh, no, no. What I'm saying is when they play City. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Even, even against them, I'm saying I've not seen anything from Arsenal that tells me that they're not going to go for the win, which is what yeah, they're going to do. That's, that's best think, for them as well. It's best for them, worse for us, but you know, that's how it is. They're in, they're in the situation now, they've got to play to win every single game. They've got to take risks. They've got to take risks now. That's why they could have lost today because they were two, 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 and they needed they need to win. Uh, it, you know, it, it takes a little bit of pressure off them. They're still under a lot of pressure. Obviously, City breathing down their necks. But um, when they come to us, they let's say they beat Southampton, but they still said they've got to try and beat City because a draw against City relies on Arsenal winning their last five games. Now, at the start of the season, they could have done that, but with all the pressure, and, and if you look who they've got in the last five games. Um, five or six games. They've got teams like they certainly got Newcastle in there. Um, Newcastle are fi- um, fighting for uh, for uh, for Champions League. So I think Newcastle are going to be wanting to um, get something out of the game with Arsenal. So it's it's certainly not a done deal. If you look at all the games, some of them are good, some of them are bad. Obviously, after they played City, they've got all right easy three points. Chelsea at home, Frank Lampard is an absolute fraud. Uh, he's lost, was it 14 out of the last 17 Premier League games or something? Chelsea are idiots uh, to, to get him back. But then Arsenal playing away at Newcastle, home to Brighton. Those are the two games I think that are going to make a big difference. Uh, away to Forest and at home to Wolves, I think there was a, um, um, I think they'll win them, even under the pressure that they'll be under. So Arsenal have got to look at it and say, they might have the confidence to say, look, we're going to win all our remaining games. But Newcastle away, Brighton at home, they ain't going to be easy. They drop points there and a draw with City might not be good enough. So I think even more so they're going to come to City and say, if we beat City, it's pretty much over. If we beat City, you know, we're already, whatever, four points clear. Um, if we beat City with seven points well, clear. Well, seven points clear, we'll end up ten points clear. We'll have two games in hand, but you said it'll be four points. So with, what, six games left or something? Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very difficult then for City to come back. It's not certainly as Liverpool. It's certainly not unheard of. But um, you know, mm. Arsenal can say, "Look, if we really go for it. If we prevail, when everybody thinks we're going to lose, 
or we would be happy for a draw. If we can prevail, pretty much I think that's title over. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Bernard, what's up next for City? Well, we've got a little Champions League second half. We're 3-0 up at half-time, guys, which sounds familiar. Let's hope our second half is a little bit better than we did uh, against Leicester City. But uh, interestingly enough, uh, they drew um, with Hoffenheim at weekend yeah. and Dortmund had the chance to obviously match them on points. But against 10 men, they only managed a 3-3 draw in uh, where, where they were. I think Stuttgart they were playing, I think Dortmund. So they still remain top of the Bundesliga uh, by default by Mune. The fact that Dortmund couldn't beat 10 men uh, for most of the game, out two-thirds of the game. So, yeah, um, but Tuchel's getting a little bit of stick. The fans aren't very happy from what I've been reading today on some of the news, news feeds uh, out of Germany. They're not happy with what he's doing. Uh, they were quite... Uh, I mean, they had all the possession. They had about eight, seventy odd percent possession, twenty odd shots to four today, and everything. But they're just not putting the ball in the net. Unfortunately, there's obviously a lack of the strike strikers and striking ability. So, hopefully, more more of that on Wednesday evening when we go there. And I'm hoping we can score two or three and, and put it out of reach. Ray, I um, mean, you'd be quite uh, confident, I guess, of City brushing aside Sheffield United in 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 the FA Cup. <laughs> if we can't beat them, we're in trouble. Um, I think that's another great game that we can rest two or three players and prevail. Uh, we're in a, a very fun, wonderful position right now. You know, we're well ahead against uh, Bayern Munich. Uh, I don't think we're going to rest anybody. We, you've got to go out there and, and mean business. We can. I think we can rest two or three players for the Sheffield United game. You know, we've got about 14 or 15 players that you'd be happy to select from. You've got uh, uh, quickly Edison. Uh, Walker or Stones, possibly even Rico Lewis. You got Akanji, Aki, Diaz, Laporte, Rodri, KDB, Gunduan, Bernardo, Mares, Alvarez, um, uh, Grealish, and Haaland. You'd be happy with those players, and hopefully, by I think by next weekend, Foden will be knocking on the door to be on the bench in the FA Cup. If he's not on the bench in the FA Cup, he'll be on the bench against Arsenal. So we're pretty much back to full strength. So we can rest two or three players without weakening the team too much. It won't be, let's rest two or three players and bring in Gomez, Palmer and Phillips. No, 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 we won't be doing that. We'll be bringing in Mares or Foden uh, or Laporte. So I'm, I'm much more comfortable and confident that that's obviously a better way for us to go. Um, and, and then after that, we've got the, obviously the Arsenal game. So we can go into the Arsenal game, hopefully, uh, with every player to pick from, as long as no one gets injured, full squad to pick from, and a few players will have had a rest. I mean, Gundogan's had a rest now, so I can see him uh, playing uh, against. If, if he was going to play, if we want him to play against Arsenal, I think he starts against Bayern Munich, doesn't play against Sheffield United, and then starts against Arsenal. So Pep can look at that. As, as I said, two or three players you might just need a rest. Let's say you rest KDB for Sheffield United um, as well. Maybe maybe that works, and then KDB's back for the next game. So, um, as, as I said on the last pod, I think our um, fixture running is very kind to us this season. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, we're nearly finished now. Let's have some final thoughts from uh, Bernard. Bernard, final thoughts? Yeah, I think I think we were looking at April, weren't we? And not worried, but it was going to be a, a defining, a season-defining month. And at this point in time, nearly halfway through April, 
It's going pretty well. I think we, we have to be reasonably we're happy. All right, we had a bit of a moan about the second half against Leicester. But hey, so so what? We just want to keep them on the toes. We just want to keep them interested. You know, we just want, we don't want it the, too relaxed. And I think at this stage, I think it's all going pretty well. And I think we, we can be quite happy with our lot at the moment. Okay, final thoughts from um, from Ray. Yeah, here with Bernard. Look, it didn't matter uh, really. Three points is all that uh, matter. That's what was required. We got those three points. Yes, we'd have liked a better second half performance. Yes, we'd have uh, liked to score a few more goals. But in uh, the overall scheme of things, we are, our goal difference is seven better than Arsenal. We got a game in hand, and as I said before, let's assume we win that game in hand will be at least eight or nine better off than Arsenal. And if we do beat them uh, in the league, that's worth another minimum too. So, you know, I think goal difference is almost put to bed with our, uh, our dropping points. Just be happy with the win uh, and uh, just keep moving forward from there. Well, that's a very positive note to finish on, guys. This has been a fantastic pod. Uh, you've been listening to Ray and Bernard and we'll just finish off... Uh, uh, by saying that uh, we'll be with you, uh, right with you in the next game. And we'll finish off in the normal way by saying, have one on us and up the blues. Up the blues.